You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, we are going to talk about uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Now, weirdly enough, um, I think I've said this a couple of times on the show, Nick Cage is my personal favorite actor, and yet, to this day, we've never actually talked uh, at length, we've never devoted a full episode to a movie actually starring Nick Cage. I don't know if we've even devoted a full episode to a movie with Nick Cage in it. But that's about to change because The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is literally about Nick Cage starring Nick Cage as Nick Cage. So we're going to talk about that. And there's going to be spoilers here, but we we have like three spoiler warnings. We're starting to get really good about spoiler warnings. We used to not be so good, but like now we are. We're doing good. So yeah. There's going to be some spoilers here, which we warn you about. And other than that, get ready to hear about the unbearable weight of massive talent. Now, I think this has a pretty iconic trailer, in my opinion. So I'm going to just play the audio of the trailer for this. Here it is. Nick, you've been living at the Sunset Tower for over a year. They love having me there. You owe them $600,000. Okay, I'm going to deal with all that. But I'm going to get this next roll. And when I do, all of that changes. Then I'm back. Not that you went anywhere. Nicholas Cage, oh my God. I love you. <laughs> he was so good in The Rock. What about Gone in 60 Seconds? Have you seen Croods 2? No, I'm 44 years old. Why the fuck would I see Croods 2? I've seen Face Off and Con Air. We got another offer. What's it about? You head to Southern Spain and you attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do that. It's a million bucks, Nick. I'll take it. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Look, if Javi wants me to fuck his wife or watch me watch him fuck his wife, that's a no-go. You understand? That's no bueno. I am Javi. Nick Cage. Nicholas Cage? I am so happy that you're here. Is this supposed to be me? It's grotesque. I'll give you 20,000 for it. Welcome back to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about Nick Cage movies sometimes, and sometimes means today for the first time. Uh, Pierre, how is it that we haven't talked about a Nick Cage movie yet? Um... I don't really. I mean, no, we have. We talked about uh, Plan. No, for, no, the color from outer space. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is our second one then. Yeah, I was gonna say because he, he's not usually in great movies that I want to watch, but at least that, not that recently. Was a pretty good movie. He's definitely got like. I don't know. I, I was. What, what 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 should I say here? Like. He's definitely more recently been in, I'm going to say quantity over quality, because there's been some good movies in there, but there's also been a lot of like, at least not obviously good movies. Mm. Um, When I say not obviously good, I still love the guy and I've seen, and every movie I've seen him in, he's been incredible in. Mm. It's just that the movies around him aren't necessarily that good all the time. Yeah, he has this very, um, I want to say, like, authentic charisma. I don't know why the mm-hmm. word authentic comes that, to mind, but 
it's just like it, it feels like it's him being him but it also always fits the role in the best way possible i don't know how to say I mean, I don't know if this describes it well, but I think he's just very passionate about his job. Like he's just, whether, whether you agree that he's a good actor or not, I think he's a very passionate actor. Like every movie that he is in, he, you can tell that whether or not he believes sincerely in that role, he is like putting everything he can into it. He is doing everything he can to like understand and deliver the most, at least quote unquote authentic performance he possibly can. Yeah. Even if it's like a, a very like, I don't know why, but like, I've always loved him in the national treasure series. Yeah. Um, and I can't really explain why, because there's nothing really special about his role, but I, and it's like probably the most straight man I've ever seen him. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like the most normal role I've seen him in, except for maybe I'm, I'm, well, actually, no. I was going to say except for Ghost Rider, but I haven't seen Ghost Rider in a while, so I don't know what he was actually like in that movie. Ghost Rider is pretty balls to the wall. Like, he's okay. he's very <laughs> off the wall. and Well, at least in Spirit of Vengeance. In the first one, he also is, but he takes it a lot more seriously. So, mm-hmm. like, he'll deliver lines. He'll, he'll like... I, I don't remember quotes, but he'll like talk about the nature of fire in this super serious way. But the actual writing of what he's saying is so stupid and insane. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, he, he can sell it. He can sell the worst. He, he totally can. Dialogue. Yeah. So and that that is an amazing skill, I must say. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah. And then I guess. Well, this movie's the movie we're talking about today. It's it's very meta because it kind of I think it's supposed to be following him in a point in his career. I want to say a little before this, like maybe like five years ago, when like he was just in a lot of really bad movies. I mean, it kind of feels to me like it's supposed to be mostly contemporary because, like, I don't know that feel. It, it feels like this movie is trying to portray what his career is now more or less i mean he's been in some like phenomenal um critic rave review movies like pig recently but even then it still kind of feels like his career is in this place where um the way this movie portrays it isn't that he's been in a lot of bad movies it's that he is a career actor like he's working because it's his job not necessarily because he thinks he can get the best roles, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I think now he is being more picky, for sure. Potentially, um, yeah. I, as I'm reading, <laughs> I'm using Wikipedia as my reference, but they say 2020 to present. No, 2012 to 2019 was pro, prolific, prolificity. I don't know what that means, actually. Prolificity Being in a pro- lot of things. Oh, and direct-to-video films. Um, gotcha. And then 2020 to present is his career resurgence. I don't know if how true that actually is, but um, yeah, we'll see. He, he's. I think he's on a decent streak though, because uh, well, I really. I mean, Pig was really good. Apparently, I still haven't seen it. Um, Andy was really good in this movie too. I thought. And also, yeah, it does seem like he's trying to, like, shift into being more picky and also different aspects of the film industry uh, going forward. Because I see here that, um, 
well, this this may be a little older, but it's I see here that he's trying a little more producing. Uh, he did direct a movie that was in twenty that was in two thousand two, so that's probably not exactly relevant to now. But like he's he's branching out a little bit. Yeah, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, good for Nick Cage. Yeah, it seems he might not be banked because I what he was in a lot of movies. From what I know, it's because. He got divorced, and basically that made him extremely in debt to his wife. So he just had to act in anything he could find for a while. Also, at least anecdotally, he has a bit of a spending problem. Like, when he gets $2 million, he'll just spend a million of it on something else. Yeah, I like, on on something cool. Doesn't he, like, live in a castle? I read he lives in a castle and that he has a coffee table that is, like, a dinosaur skull or something. (laughs) Like, I... I can't he, confirm, but that yeah. sounds like things I have also read. He has some crazy shit. Um, yeah. Which, for what it's worth, good for him for having a uh, career that he's good at that can support his hobbies. Yeah, like, that, that is. <laughs> I mean, on the complete other end of the spectrum, you know, I have some friends who, you know, still, they, they live in like fairly cheap apartments and they play World of Warcraft all day or something like that, but they go to work and their, and their, uh, their income supports their hobby and they're living their best life. And Nicolas Cage is doing that at a sev- at, at the order of magnitude of several million dollars and good for him. Like, hell yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is good. I'm proud of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he could have sold some of these things he owns for, for the money, but he also likes well, acting. So, for sure. You know, yeah. Anyways. So, um, um. Well, we were talking about Nicolas Cage because I feel like this movie. Have you said the movie yet? Uh, it's just The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I think I mentioned that before, but just in case I haven't, that case. is the name of this movie. Yeah, it's, it's a, it takes a very meta look at like Nicolas Cage he plays himself in this movie or like an extremely I'm guessing extremely cartoonish version of himself very much so um I have to ask Pierre when was the first time you heard about this movie um I heard about it on reddit actually I think but do you know when roughly um maybe two weeks ago he had an AMA because um I've been following this movie at least a little bit. It's at least been on my radar for probably two or three years because this is a movie that, like, the director has been developing this movie for a while. And um, originally, I think the concept of this movie, if if I'm remembering right, I hope that... uh, I, I can't back this up with sources because all of my sources are now super old, so it wouldn't matter. Um... But if I remember correctly, this movie was originally a it was originally in a mockumentary format about Nicolas Cage trying to get a role in the next Quentin Tarantino movie. So it was like tying in. <laughs> first off, it was tying in like Nicolas Cage just as an actor. But it was then also like tying in the fact that Quentin Tarantino very famously has said that he's only going to do 10 movies and this yeah. was going to be his 10th one. So this was going to be a movie about like. Nicolas Cage being like, I've got to be in the Quentin Tarantino movie. If I don't work with Quentin Tarantino before he stops, then what am I even doing as an actor? Yeah. And so I was super hyped for this movie from the moment I heard that idea. 
this movie has evolved quite a bit before coming out. Like Quentin Tarantino is no longer involved. Uh, this movie is meta, but in very different ways. And the one element of this movie that we'll talk about where Nicolas Cage like is trying to get a role with a director is basically just a cameo for that director. Like it's not even really integral to the plot. Yeah. Um, so that, that actually would have been really cool. I think. Yeah. Um, I was, I was looking at Spencer Tarantino. I was like, I was trying to see if he actually had his last movie planned. Cause I actually really, I think Nick Cage would be amazing in a, Tarantino movie. I'm not gonna lie. Oh man, if if Quentin Tarantino can turn John Travolta into like a next level star, <laughs> yeah. it would be. It, it, there's a good chance that a Quentin Tarantino right. role, like yeah. a role for Nicolas Cage in a Quentin Tarantino movie, would be like his best role ever. Yeah, if his last act was to save Nicolas Cage's career, like or not not just save it, but like make it take off again, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, that. So Tarantino was not in this movie, or not referenced in this movie, at least, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but wait, I guess should, should we talk a bit about? I guess did we talk say what the movie was about basically? Um, no, we didn't. And uh, why why don't you? So I've talked about what the movie was originally potentially supposed, to, supposed to be. Why don't you talk about what the movie is? Okay, so the unbearable weight of massive talent is uh, about Nicolas Cage who is in a weird point in his life where he's obsessed with acting and being the best. But meanwhile, um, he can't seem to get any jobs. Um, and he's stuck with a, or not, I shouldn't say stuck, but he has a family who um, is tired of his ego and his pride and his constant uh, thinking about, I guess, being an actor. Um so he's so he's kind of has he he has a not so great family life. He's not doing great as an actor. So he takes one last. He says, "I'm going to retire. I'm going to take one last gig to pay off his debts." Uh, where I think it was a, a millionaire from where does he go? Is it Mexico? He's a mil- he's a Spanish millionaire in Mallorca, Mallorca, and he basically wants Nicolas Cage to appear at his birthday party for a million dollars. Yeah, and and then Nicolas Cage will retire from acting. Or he's already retired, I guess. He he retires from acting. Then he goes to this island and he meets uh, Pedro Pascal, who plays the millionaire. And they form a great friendship and um, he's re-inspired, I guess. I guess, should I, wait, can I say more? I don't know if these are, was this in the trailer? The whole, like... Pretty much all of that, I think, that you said was in the trailer. Yeah, no, but, like, if I go further with the... Like, the actual main plot. What the main plot becomes. Is that in the trailer? I don't think that is, actually. The, the, like, the, like, secret bits that I know you're holding on to. Um, But, yeah, so that's basically the premise of the movie, I guess. Okay. So, yeah. And, um... I just want to say also the trailer for this, not the trailer, the poster for this movie says Nicolas Cage is Nick Cage and it says it with a K, which to me is like the bit, I don't know if this is like, this has always bugged me because Nick Cage, in my experience, when I've looked up Nick Cage, he spells his name N-I-C Cage. So it's weird to see it as N-I-C-K Cage. And to me, that's like, 
when I walked out of this movie, I'm like, I should have known it wasn't going to be as realistic as it could have been because they gave him a fake name. Yeah, obviously. That 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 was what the, I guess, I guess that I mean so technically this is a fictional Nicolas Cage. I mean it it's a very fictional Nicolas Cage, and I think that's my biggest <laughs> complaint about it is that I don't necessarily you know I don't know what Nick Cage is comfortable with. I don't like I don't necessarily need him to bear his soul in a movie, especially when this movie wasn't written by him. So I can't expect that of him, right? Yeah. But at the same time, this movie feels very artificial. Like, extremely artificial. Nothing about this feels real at all. And the couple of points, and the best points in this movie are the ones that, like, get really close to actually commenting on something real, but they never do because this movie feels mega fake. Yeah. I I mean, at the start, I was, I remember for like the first maybe 20 minutes, I was actually really excited because I thought the movie was was taking a very, I mean, it was, it was very meta already, but it was taking a very deep look at Nicolas Cage himself as an actor and where he, he was at in his career. And also just like, like, I guess an aging, taking a look at like an aging actor in, in and general. And I think it's like, yeah, and it's super, it's an interesting idea for a movie, not just to follow like an aging actor in the industry, but to specifically anchor that to a real actor who like people who've watched this, who are watching this movie could realistically have been invested in the lives of, because like Nick Cage has been a public figure for his entire life. Uh, People like me and you and other people that follow Nick Cage may or may not know the intricate details of his life, but we like, we know him as we know him to some degree as a person. We've been able to like follow his career. So it's interesting to like not just make a movie about actors, but to make a movie about this specific actor and use that to explore things like what does Hollywood do to people? What is the nature of fame? Like, what is it like to be an actor who's got potentially his best years behind him or his best years ahead of uh, ahead of him? But like, he literally has no way of knowing that. I think these are all interesting questions. And right at the beginning of the movie is where it looks like the movie is going to really tackle those. And like, those are the most interesting part of that is the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately the movie doesn't, carry on with that yeah not um, really which in some ways like i guess it's interesting but also yeah i was pretty disappointed because it, it definitely turns into kind of a, a family adventure action it's like a family action comedy type movie um which again was it, it felt a lot like it like and it didn't, the, the plot didn't feel original once it kind of got going too. Because it reminded me a lot of the interview in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie where, you know, you have, you have this person invited to this, this another place. And then it turns out that, and then you can become friends. But it turns out the other person is potentially not who they seem, I guess. Um, yeah, so just, and it felt like a discount the interview like later in the movie, and I I really wish they kind of kept it at its roots, um, which which isn't to say like I I don't think it was a bad movie in any way. It just wasn't what I was hoping for and what I was expecting, I guess, because I didn't see yeah. any trailers, so I wasn't 
expecting the massive 180. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. It, it was very, it, it's like, it kind of gives you that potential of kind of a deeper, cause I, I really want to know like kind of what Nick Cage is experience was like personally, right? Like I thought, well, could have and like Nick Cage has had a really interesting career cause he started off, uh, he started off out. He's, He's descended, he's like, I think, the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola, which would give him, like, a huge advantage in the film industry. But he specifically said, like, no, don't associate me with the Coppolas if I can avoid it because, you know, he wants to make it on his own merits. And then for, like, the first 10, 15 years of his career, he was a huge star who starred in, like, big name projects that ultimately led him to getting an Academy Award. And then since then, he's done a lot of much smaller stuff and still cultivated like a really big fan base, but also gotten like the Bruce Willis style of reputation for being in a lot of direct-to-DVD stuff. And now he's having a bit of a comeback. So like he has a very unique and interesting career to look back on that I think... Honestly, I'm not I think I would even just love seeing a documentary looking back on Nick Cage's career. That's not what I ever expected this to be, but he's got enough of like an interesting history that you can really just use that to fuel a really interesting movie. Yeah. But it, yeah, in this case it felt more like a fanfic. I don't know. <laughs> a little say. bit. Yeah, so um And like weirdly enough, a fanfic where I feel like, and this is probably the most glaring thing about this movie, I don't know how much of it had to be Nick Cage. Like, I mean, it was clearly, like, in the writing, it was clearly geared specifically towards Nick Cage by the amount of Nick Cage movies they reference and stuff. But you change out a couple of those references, easily could have been, like, Bruce Willis, John Travolta, just about anyone. Like, I don't actually think that this movie required nick cage as much as it should have yeah well like that's the thing though i feel like if you take the nick cage part of the movie out of it the movie is pretty lame because it doesn't really offer anything unique um which is unfortunate because yeah it's like it, it felt like it was written by like a nick cage fan who like he just saw a lot of nick cage memes or something it was like you know it'd be funny we just made a movie that was like kind of like referenced it was like a fanboy movie that would reference all this stuff a lot um but it wasn't like like i wouldn't say it was funny enough to really make up for it you know like it just it tried to do a lot of different things that it didn't really do well like it wasn't that it was funny but not that funny the act there was action but the action wasn't that good um yeah i'm like this movie was advertised at least on some uh, some level as being like, I, I remember seeing in, in the trailers for this, it would say the most Nick Cage movie ever. Mm. And like, I just don't like I, that sentence. I don't know what that means because like, what is similar between adaptation and say leaving Las Vegas? Like, they're very different movies, and yes, Nick Cage is a dynamic performer, but he doesn't deliver a similar performance in those movies. And, like, it feels like it's, I don't know, 
I don't I don't like that I don't like that description because like I feel like it reduces Nick Cage specifically down to meme status, which is yeah. like if you only like Nick Cage as a meme, I'm not gonna call someone a fake fan, but also like what's the point? Or why are you watching a Nick Cage movie because it is memes? Yeah. Watch it because you like Nick Cage or because you like the movie. Like Yeah. It what's was more what's like the point? Nick Cage, haha. Rather than like Oh, Nick Cage in this movie is Nick Cage is in this movie, and then also the movie is haha. You know, mm-hmm. um, it kind of makes me want to watch that movie. Um, there's this one movie that Joaquin Phoenix did uh, a while back. Oh, what was it called? Um, where he just like it was a it was a mockumentary done by him and Casey Affleck or something. Where oh yeah, uh, Joaquin like, Phoenix. He just like fell. He 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 stopped being in any public stuff at all for a year, except as his musician alter ego or something. Yeah, kind of makes me want to watch that because like I feel like that's what I wanted from this movie. Yeah, even though I heard I heard that movie actually it has it sounds like a really interesting concept, but I heard it wasn't that good. Um, What was it called? I have no idea. I don't know why I can't find it. Oh, Um, no, it's I'm Still Here. Oh, okay, yeah. Follows the real life of Phoenix from the announcement of his retirement from acting through his transition into the career as a hip-hop artist. Yeah, like, that actually sounds hilarious. It it, really does. The concept sounded hilarious, but, yeah, anyways. Um, Anyway. So, but, yeah, I... Can we... Can we get into? Actually, no, we don't need to get into spoilers. But uh, I really want to say eventually we will need to. Pedro Pascal in this movie was excellent. I think yes. he almost. I think he might have outdone Nick Cage. Honestly, he um, was up there. Like Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal. So like I've seen Pedro Pascal in a couple of movies this year, and like even when those movies have been straight trash, Pedro Pascal is always such a. He's so good in those in every movie I've seen him in. Like. I think he just has natural chemistry with everyone. And like this movie is worth seeing for Pedro Pascal interacting with Nick Cage alone. Like <laughs> it's incredible. They yeah, have I, such good chemistry. He's actually like really, but I mean, like okay, I've only seen Pedro Pascal recently in the Wonder Woman movie. And then this, I want to say there was one other thing, but I mean, I guess the Mandalorian, but he doesn't act very, Pedro Pascal there. I don't know. No, oh, like, but he's also like super good in it. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I don't know. Well, <laughs> Anyways. I, I, I specifically like am thinking of the one episode that I think we talked about. We talked about it in our King of Staten Island episode, like the one, uh, the one episode of the Mandalorian where he's with Bill Burr and like, Oh yeah. Bill Burr outshines Pedro Pascal in that one episode, but he's still like, that's still one of Pedro Pascal's better episodes, which I guess is even more impressive from Bill Burr. But like, I'd say given the material, Pedro Pascal does very good. in the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like wonder woman, I thought the movie was trash, but he, he's so good at giving this like, cause I never thought, uh, like he didn't seem that he seemed like a really suave guy. And like, from what mm-hmm. I saw in like game of Thrones and stuff, but then he's so good at like really hamming it up. Like he's so like his acting in Wonder Woman was so corny and it was like, but it like it's it, better than everything else in the whole movie too. Yeah. Like it worked. I don't know how he made it work, but he, he made it work. I think it's just cause he like, he felt, he feels so likable and passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it, it, it comes off in this movie too. Like he, he just seems like he comes, I mean, his character is that way too, but he just comes off as a guy that is trying his best and he's just happy. To, he's, he seems so happy to be there. Like in that yeah. movie, aside from his character, like, um, mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's, he's a really fun guy. So, um, and I, yeah, I loved him in this movie. I thought despite the change in what the movie was, I thought he made that part. He made the best of that part of the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, once you get into the second and third act, I thought him and Nick Cage had amazing chemistry. But again, I feel like Pedro Pascal could have chemistry with anyone at this point. And so can Nick Cage, honestly. Like, you know, they're both yeah. really good. So, Which I um, guess like just makes them have better chemistry with each other. Because like yeah. Nick Cage is always the most dynamic part of any movie he's in. Yeah. Pedro Pascal is always the most dynamic part of any movie he's in. Yeah. Together, they're like... It's it was great. It's, it, yeah, it's yeah. it's great. Like that, I want to reference that. There's this one scene where they're they're on drugs. Basically, is that that was actually hilarious. It's like a really mm-hmm. really good scene, just solely based on their acting. Yeah, um, yeah, it was amazing. Anyways, um, so should we we should probably talk at least light spoilers now. Because sure. this movie takes a very bizarre dip, probably about halfway, uh, about a half an hour in. Yeah, that's is it when they start getting like they start making the script. I guess just just before that is when like they reveal what the plot twist oh, is. I the, guess with the CIA. But then yes, when they start making the script. Yeah. So what it turns out the CIA is tracking the guy Nick Cage is visiting. Because um, he's a he's a he's cartel a weapons, leader, yeah, or a weapons dealer a weapons or something, dealer, yeah. And they're trying to take him down. Nick Cage is basically their inside man, and that's when the movie can undertakes a complete shift. Um, I wouldn't say in tone. I guess it's tonally still the same, but just like, I mean, just the type of movie it is. It becomes it becomes it like becomes kind of a, a lot a, less interesting. Yeah, it, it turns from like a dark comedy to just kind of a straight on like. You, you go from kind of like these depressing jokes about Nick Cage's career to like him accidentally almost killing himself. And he's like flopping around on the floor trying to find an antidote, which was a good, it's like, I thought he sold the scene. Oh, but for also sure. like, it was just very, it was a very odd twist, I guess. It's just cause like it takes it from being, I don't, this movie is marketed as a straight comedy. So like, I don't need it to be the most devastating movie of the year or anything, but it Mm. takes a like straight, it takes a turn from being like an interesting movie about, you know, what does fame do to people? What is Nicolas Cage's actual life? Like, what's it like to be an actor in his position to he's a spy now. And it's like, Oh, okay. And that's when it stops really being a movie about Nicolas Cage. Because like, like you said, much, after yeah. that point, it could have been another actor. You could have completely remade the first part of the script to involve Hell, I'm not else. entirely certain I haven't seen this movie with Chris Hemsworth. Like, <laughs> I think this is a movie that already exists after that point. Yeah, it, it feels very uh, basic and straightforward. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Like there, like, there are funny parts. I don't want to say that. Like, oh, for sure. There's lots of great scenes in this movie throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But I think it definitely takes a huge turn once this becomes like a CIA plot mm-hmm. because it's not as interesting and it's still meta, 
but now it's gone from being meta in an interesting way to being meta in like an insulting way. Cause there's a couple of points because at that point they start making a script like Nicholas Cage and Pedro Pascal start working on like a script for a movie that Nick Cage is going to be in. And, um, at one point, like at one point he's like, what if we had a scene in the movie where we had to rescue our kidnapped daughters or where we had to rescue my kidnapped daughter and Pedro Pascal's like, it's super cliche. I hate it. I don't like those kind of cliches in movies. We shouldn't be doing like a spy movie. We should be doing a more personal drama. And he eventually caves and does the spy movie. But as I'm watching that movie, I'm like, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, he's literally commenting on the movie he's in. The best parts of the unbearable weight of massive talent are the personal drama and then it becomes a spy movie. And he's literally commenting on the fact yeah. that the spy movie is less interesting. Like it was like you, meta and like a not very cute. Like I kind of like it, but I'm also you, like eh. It's like when you point out that your movie that you are in is garbage, it's funny, but it doesn't make your movie good. Yeah, it's it, it's like it was trying to save face. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't. It was it was cute. Like I, I I did like how it didn't because of, like he, Nick Cage suggested the the daughter kidnapping plot because he was trying to see he was suspicious of Pedro Pascal's character and he was trying to get him to talk about kidnapped daughters or something. Having <laughs> like, kidnapped a Spanish politician's daughter. Yeah, which is like kind of, like I like how. It, there was a reason for him suggesting it. It wasn't just like meta for no, no, no reason. Like it kind of had something to do with the plot. Well, I, I didn't dislike the suggestion. I just hated the fact that the movie addressed it and then became that suggestion. Like, yeah. it's like, I loved, I loved it when I heard him say, no, that's cliche. We don't want to do that in our movie. It's a more personal drama. And then instead of becoming a more personal drama, the movie just became the kidnap plot. Yeah. Like the actual movie I'm watching. Yeah. Which was by far the most boring part of the movie. It's like once once you hit the third act, it gets really like I'm like, I don't know why I'm watching this anymore. Yeah. Um, kind of thing. Because that's because again, like once once you because that's when they kind of take out the action and the comedy. No, they take out the comedy and it's just almost like a pure action flick in a way. Um mm-hmm. but this the action wasn't good. Like it was just very generic, like, like action comedy action. Yeah. I don't know. It was, uh, kind of disappointing, but again, like, like I keep saying this, it it wasn't a bad movie. I, I liked it. I don't know. It was fine. I was, I was honestly very disappointed as a big Mm. Nick Cage fan and someone who had been looking forward to this movie. I kind of feel like we got, Maybe not the worst version of this movie, but we got a severely worse version of this movie than we could have had. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think there was something interesting here. Um, Mm -hmm. And it felt like a very well-timed movie in his career, too. It It would have been interesting to see him commentate on his past at a point where he seems like he's really moving into the future with Mm -hmm. a good with a good reputation, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I think that like this movie came out basically perfectly timed because after this movie finished shooting, but before it released pig came out and pig is like 
with a lot of critics, they a lot of critics have already said that like Pig is like a return to form for Nicolas Cage, and it's mm-hmm. like one of his best movies in years. And so like I think that if there in in on the on the chance that Pig is like the beginning of a new era of really 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 good Nicolas Cage movies, mm-hmm. I think this movie would have been very out of place in like two years. It would have been very strange to see, but yeah. right now it's perfect. It was yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's almost kind of like a opportunity thrown away too, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate, but, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. I would, I would probably wait. This feels like a kind of watch this at home movie. I'm going to be honest. I don't really Weirdly think enough, to go to the theater. like th- this wasn't a direct to DVD Nicolas Cage movie. And it was specifically commenting on some of Nicolas Cage's direct-to-DVD stuff. Mm. Never specifically talking about, like, individual movies, but it definitely, like, commented on the fact that that was the point of his career that he's in. Yeah. Weirdly enough, this feels like a direct-to-DVD Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> yeah. It has Which a sucks. huge... Okay, like, ever since I saw Everything Everywhere all the time, I've been looking at budgets a lot. Like, this, this costs $30 million to make. And I'm like, how, how? I, mean, I guess it's because they were filming in, like, a nice place or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, like, this doesn't have, like, a, an expensive cast, I wouldn't say. Um, it looks, doesn't look very, like, again, we were saying it looks like a direct-to-DVD movie, but, like, a movie this expensive. Like, if they, if they took the route of making it more of a Nick Cage drama, it would have been way cheaper, too. They probably could have made it for, like, $10 million or something. Oh, yeah, uh, like... If you wanted to, even coming after this movie, if you wanted to do a spiritual successor to this movie that is actually just a mockumentary about Nick Cage's real life, you could do that for probably five million bucks. Yeah, and it probably like your entire budget would be paying Nick Cage and paying probably one or two other big people to appear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it would have been better, and it actually would have made money. I don't know if this is going to make money at this point. It's. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess I, I do have a question. Like, sure. What w- would you say that this style of movie, like, would you think that this style of movie would would have worked or would work with a different actor? Like, not necessarily that this movie could have been done with someone else, but like, would you be interested in seeing? I don't know quote-unquote, the most John Travolta movie of all time or something. Like a similar style movie with a different actor. Um, if it was... If you had the exact same, like, quality script, but with a different actor, I actually don't know if it would have worked as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because, again, like, I think Nicholas... I think Nicholas Cage just has... He's, he's one of very few actors right now that I feel like have had such a long career and are still mostly relevant to like a younger audience if that makes sense because of the memes mm-hmm. and stuff um but yeah like john travolta i like i i feel like i wouldn't watch that and be like i want to see like parts of his old career if that makes sense i, I yeah. can't think of many actors with that much history that i'd actually want to see and that actually would have been good in this movie so mm-hmm. um yeah it it made it better but like it doesn't necessarily make it like like Nick Cage. I would say it in some ways saved the movie, 
but it was also tailored for him. Like, I feel as they wrote it, they wrote it as lamely as possible because they knew they could, they wanted to get Nick Cage and that he would save the movie in a way. Like, um, because again, this movie wouldn't have been made if it was just like a generic action comedy. Yeah. Um, Nicolas Cage was the selling point. And uh, yeah. And I think like, I mean, I'm probably just like repeating what I've already said. I think that this movie potentially with another actor is an interesting concept as like on paper only. Because mm-hmm. like, I think that it's really cool I think that a movie about like Nick Cage's personal life, ex- a more personal drama exploring like who Nick Cage is, who I don't know, I'm just going to keep saying John Travolta, but who like <laughs> any other actor like Nick Cage, John Travolta, Bruce Willis, exploring that it, from a fictional lens. But like, um, I, I think those are interesting ideas. I kind of hated how this movie played out. Like, as you said, Nick Cage saved it. I think that because it was Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal, it made the movie worth it, more or Mm -hmm. less. But, like, I think that this movie was full of way more missed opportunities than it was, like, achieved opportunities, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, that's the best way to describe this. So, anyway, what would you give this on on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I think I'd give it like um, a six. I think maybe five point five. Uh, kind of a lame script, but really, really carried. Like I, I personally, I might watch this again just for Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage to see mm. them hang out again. I thought they they really made the movie. Yeah, I think um, I think for me it's like I I think I can agree with that five point five. I'd put it closer to a five, like a a, a week five to use. My usual terminology. Mm. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, anyway, next up, we are going to talk about one of two movies. And uh, which is the one movie of those two that we're going to talk about, Pierre? Oh, man. Um, Sonic. Yeah, let's talk about Sonic next. Sonic, well, Sonic 2. Sonic 2. And that'll be, I don't know, that, that won't be the first sequel we've talked about on this show. But I think it might be the first time we've talked about a sequel to a movie after already talking about it once. Like, after already talking about the show before. Because we talked about Sonic. Yeah. And now we're talking about Sonic 2. I don't think we've done any... Aside from, like, Marvel movies, which are all technically sequels to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we've done that yeah, before. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. I can't think of any. Look That's at that. Cool. I mean, I'm going to have to start finding more and more detailed firsts, but <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're doing a first there. every time here. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first movie we've ever talked about that includes Pedro Pascal, Ike Barinholtz, and Nicolas Cage. All in the same We've movie. never done one with all three of those people before. It's crazy stuff. All right, what's yeah. the last word, Pierre? Drugs. 